Hello, tech and business aficionados. Chris Hobbs here, president of TTT Studios, where we make the software magic come to life. Welcome to episode six of the Afternoon Tea Podcast, where we talk to entrepreneurs and leaders in the tech industry about their journeys towards success. Our guest today is Josh Nelson, CEO and co-founder of the Super Hip Eastside Games. Josh shares how the business of making games is a team effort with many required roles. He discusses the importance of taking an active role to support the community and how the decentralization caused by COVID can be a huge plus for everyone. Furthermore, we touch on Josh's identity of being a proud Métis, as well as the many well-deserved awards and accolades he has received. All of this while maintaining his love for the Edmonton Oilers. Oh, the suffering. So let's chat with Josh. But first, if you like what you hear and there is no reason why you shouldn't, please don't forget to rate and review us. Heck, I think you should even subscribe. So now, let's listen together. Very excited today to have Josh Nilsson join us on Afternoon Tea. Um, Josh Nilsson is the CEO and co-founder of Eastside Games, also known as ESG. Founded in 2011, Eastside Games is a proudly independent and profitable game studio, strongly believing in community-driven design and having the best culture around and making games built by fans for fans, and I love that. In 2017, Eastside Games launched Trailer Park Boys, Greasy Money, TPP, or Trailer Park Boys, was a top 100 game in over 100 countries. It's always sunny in Philadelphia. The Gang Goes Mobile launched in 2019, and it's still growing and delighting the amazing fan base. And most recently, and very recently, Eastside Games has released Archer Danger Phone, which I'm excited about because I, I love the uh, the Arthur franchise. So um, on top of that, Eastside Games was just announced as the winner of the first ever BC Business Business of Good Awards in the Indigenous Prosperity category. And Josh is currently a finalist for Person of the Year in BC Tech's 2020 Technology Impact Awards. Josh, that's amazing. Let's start with some of the great stuff that you've been doing in the community. So because Eastside Games has always been a huge supporter of community events. And we see your name all the time uh, tied to supporting local charities movements. And you're very involved in the local community. And I like to think that we have that in common. But why do you think it's so important to be part of the community? Yeah, thanks for thanks for having me. That's a, a, a nice intro. Somebody really smart must have written that about me, probably Liddy. So that's why it sounds so good. We've been doing a lot at ESG and it's kind of... Uh, from the very start, we've been focused on that. We've been focused on uh, where we work. We want to make sure that we're involved and uh, we give back to the community. So our original office was in the downtown east side of Vancouver. Uh, this was uh, almost 10 years ago, uh, and uh, the area uh, was just starting to have a lot more office buildings. In fact, we moved down there because rent was a lot cheaper. Uh, we could get sort of the vibe that we wanted for for Eastside Games, and uh, so we started focusing on that. And our core focus in our first year was we're going to do, since we're going to live in the area, we're going to uh, make sure we're giving back to the downtown Eastside uh, as much as we can, and not in a way that that would just pave the way for for businesses and Starbucks to move in, but to also know that a lot of people live down there and that's their place. and and when we live in cities, we have to think of a way that we can all sort of live together. So to this day, one of our core charities that we still focus at Eastside Games is Crabtree Corner. 
Um, it's our yearly sort of Christmas charity, and uh, we continue to give to Crabtree Corner, uh, including in the pandemic. Uh, I think it's a great facility down there that, that really focuses on uh, helping, especially moms, uh, have uh, get a foot in the door, get off the street, and to figure out how to get a job and to do that. So uh, we've now been focused, like our goal sort of at Eastside Games for this year is we wanna promote uh, women in tech, indigenous people in tech in the downtown east side. Um, those, that's sort of our three main goals and then um, a whole bunch of other grassroots things in between that we focus on like LGBTQ2 uh, uh, plus and uh, we also focus on uh, stuff like the SBCA and stuff like that, but those three are sort of our, where our goals for 2020, although the pandemic sort of put a big wrench in that, we kind of switched to support local businesses during the pandemic. Well, I, I love that you're helping out. And like I say, I see, I mean, I, I bump into you guys pretty much everywhere. And that's why I love the synergies, because I, I think if we're there and you're there, well, I think lots of people should be there because it's probably doing something great for the community, uh, which is great. Well, I mean, the COVID thing, as, as awful as it's been um, and it's created a lot of uh, challenges and opportunities, obviously. Um, I, I, I want to know what's, what's the, because you guys are very culture driven. What's the, uh, the, I mean, how many people are going to the office these days? Is, is it a, is a work from home situation? Is it uh, like, how, how is that working for you? So we're, uh, we've made the decision to be entirely remote uh, until the new near future. So uh, we don't know when, but we know definitely in 2020, we're not going back, and there's probably a good chance in 2021, we won't either. But we do know eventually, um, when the world reopens, uh, I feel like just what we view as the office is going to be uh, different, and we've always done stuff a little bit different. So we're going to sort of lead that charge onto into what the new normal of an office will be. Uh, it's been like everyone, extremely uh, challenging, but we also recognize as a team, we're extremely luck lucky to work in an industry where we're able to continue to make our products or continue to uh, provide entertainment for our fans and to continue to work on, on uh, in a platform that we can get paid through through the magic of the internet, we don't have to go in and to do that. So we feel like we, throughout this pandemic, are sort of thing that we challenged our our team with is how can we help how can we help people in uh, uh, small businesses in our community how can we help our team and then secondly uh, to really look at how can we help our fans because at the end of the day a lot of people uh, have to stay at home and they need content and games are a great way to escape this content so how can we continue to put these games out for fans to play? How can we have even more ways that people can play our games uh, without directly giving us money through in-app purchases, but instead there's other ways that they can get it through promotions, free content, through watching ads. We provided a lot of different ways that fans can interact with us that's not entirely the way that we used to do business. And I expect we're still going to, uh, we're still gonna change things up and as, far as culture goes it's just trying a lot of stuff out that works and that doesn't work and um there's zoom calls like we're on now and um we're we're hearing from our team about just zoom fatigue that we never had before and face to face so we tried different things we bring in uh there's a lot of out of work djs so we've been bringing in djs every friday to dj our our friday cheers uh we have more open offices we have 
deliveries of stuff to team. We have a new online sort of swag store that we set up so we can get people sort of the swag they need when they're on call. So that's more hats and more mugs and more t-shirts and hoodies just to feel part of the team because we don't know when it's going to be possible to have a big team party. I don't think anyone does. So, uh, I mean, in BC, it's not even possible right now. You can't have a party of, uh, you know, over a handful outside. So we're, we're pivoting as much as we can, doing the best that we can throughout this. But we realize we're extremely lucky that we work in games right now. And so uh, we, we don't like to complain because there's many more that aren't as lucky as us that uh, we have to focus on helping them out. For sure, I'm really, I'm really, I'm really glad to hear that. And uh, you know, we, I mean, we don't really make the games, um, but I think the tools are similar. But the thing that I've been really impressed by since you know all this uh, remote working, or do we even call it remote, just uh, uh, distributed working, is that the tools are really good now. Like, I mean, I understand the Zoom, you know, fatigue and all that, but at the end of the day, the tools really do make it feel like we're standing right next to each other. You know, if you're using Miro boards or any of these things, have, have you found that the tools are mature enough that it hasn't been a problem that way? Yeah, I remember when we were making uh, games and apps like 15, 20 years ago and you, you would hit a limit on your FTP file upload. <laughs> it's not quite that. And, you know, internet connection is good as well. I, I think one of the things founders have to look at are if you're working with people is uh, you have to spend a little bit of time to make sure everyone has the equipment they need. One of the things we rolled out right away is uh, when we decided to work distributed or work remote is give everyone an allowance for cell phones, give everyone an allowance for internet, uh, give everyone a one-time lump sum payment to get the equipment they need. If they want to get headphones or a better chair or whatever and just like say here go get the equipment you need because we're not able to provide that and that's one thing that you didn't really think about i mean one of the challenges we haven't thought about is i mean we're old so we we do like i've carved out a little space here this used to be where uh, my office used to be just where you know uh you know was almost like cross between storage and and my comic collection and stuff and now i'm working from here but you know if i was in my 20s and working when i when i was in my 20s i lived with like three dudes off commercial drive uh, in a house where the front door didn't really lock and so like where would you work if you're in that situation so i think that's really gonna i think it's fascinating because it's also going to change i think a lot of people are going to move uh away from urban centers and maybe move uh in places that are a little bit cheaper or or soundproof their rooms or figure out um, if they can work in the basement. And what's been kind of cool about it is getting to see a little bit where everyone works and people setting up their their offices and stuff like that. We've done some fun stuff at ESG, like sending people wall vinyls or stencils, or uh, we made some banners to put up and stuff like that. And now you're seeing people like get a little bit more creative with where you work. And, you know, if it wasn't for this, I probably wouldn't be... Uh, I would probably wouldn't be getting ready to uh, join my first D&D campaign in over 30 years with with my team because I'd always leave the office and people are playing D&D and I'm like I used to play that and now I'm going to play. Now I'm ready to I'm ready to get back in it. I'm so jealous. What what what's what's your character type? Have you already have you already created one? Yeah, it was complicated, man. Like back in the day, I used <laughs> to just play like I grew up in Northern BC and back in the day, mm -hmm. you know, 30 something years ago, 
this will blow people's mind, but there was no internet and the, the books that you'd get in would be very, very limited. And so the only D and D book that we could get in was the old, like basic box sets. We would played a combination of the box sets and an old hardcover, uh, set from the, one of the first editions of the dungeon master guide. So we just had like six classes. There wasn't all of these, uh, combinations. So I'm going with a, uh, uh, half orc ranger. Very nice. A little uh, neutral evil, maybe a little bit there. Just, just thinking. But yeah, I think it's. I think I'm going. Uh, yeah, yeah, neutral evil. Yeah. So you can. That it's the easy because it's an easy character to get into. Mm-hmm. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to die right away. My whole thing is just like hang around long enough not to die. But I'm glad you're able to, you know, join the crew in a little bit more. I mean, it's it's a challenge, especially when you have, you know, a family. I mean, um, I, I find it's kind of funny because um, the commonality among the people who have been coming to the office, among the people I've been asking on these shows of other offices, it seems to be the same thing. Co-op students, who I guess are trying to get out of their parents' house or or want to be socialized, and people with kids. That's pretty much the only people who have been coming to the office. And uh, I look around and, yeah, I feel that. That's, that's pretty accurate. Uh, um, have you, but have you been going to the office at all or just at home home office the whole time? No, yeah, we're, the office is closed. We have a group of uh, uh, six people that are on this, like, office uh, committee that uh, we just – office safety committee thing that we're able to, uh, you know, get people uh, some equipment or ship them a chair or something like that. And um, – uh, that's about it. And I'm, I go in and check to make sure that my plants are maintained and stuff like that. And then, and then we'll, we'll probably leave that office and wait to see what it looks like when the world reopens and, and have a new office. But for the time being, uh, it's working out fine. We've, we've started remote hiring. Um, I've been saying for a long time, uh, I really think this is, one of the silver linings or one of the things we can look for for positives is is as BC companies, we don't have to move everyone to Vancouver in order for them to work for us. And so also mm-hmm. um, one of my big things that I've been talking about with BC Tech is uh, BC Tech is more than just Vancouver and Victoria. There's a whole province. There's Everyone's connected. Uh, in my little road trip I just did, um, seeing tech places pop up in, you know, Kamloops and Quinnell, Williams Lake, Prince George, Prince Rupert. Uh, and, uh, you know, we could have opened up an office anywhere in the world when we decided to open up our second office mm-hmm. a few years ago and we chose Nanaimo and we looked everywhere. And that was because we felt it's better to be, uh, to be in a place where we're the only game studio are the only largest game studio by having like seven or eight people, you're a large game studio in Nanaimo. There is like a lot of small devs that work there and there's a lot of tech that works there. But then we were able to kind of be a small anchor for other businesses to come there. And that appeared to be a pretty good strategy because now everyone's looking at, you know, you can own a house there versus versus Vancouver or back in the day we were used to be quicker for me to I had a project I was working at in in Edmonton and I had a project I was working at in Nanaimo and it would be faster for me to go on a plane to either of those places than fight traffic to Port Moody and back like (laughs) it's it's kind of the same travel time for both of those uh if you line it up right Edmonton was a little bit tricky sometimes but if you cut out security and just plane time ride it wasn't that bad it was quick to do all that stuff so um sure i guess now there's no plane rides so it's not really that but but it was good that uh 
you know, uh, we still have that core team uh, in Nanaimo working on some more legacy titles and some new exciting things coming up and uh, hired our first person in Prince George uh, to work Fantastic. on a, another project with, a, with another team, work on the Archer project on support. So, so it's little steps. And I think you just have to, people in tech just have to have those first little steps in order to change oh, stuff. Awesome. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm, for me, I'm actually glad about this um, distributed world because I, I agree. I think there's lots of opportunities in Prince George, Nelson, all of these great towns. You just need an internet connection. You know, let's talk about the the the, the, the Archer game because honestly, that one really excites me because I I've been watching the Archer series for or the in the ninth or the tenth series season right now. Um, t t tell me about the experience of making this game. Yeah, it was it was amazing. It's our second game that we've made with a great team at Disney, working on an IP like that that's so rich, but also has um, for those that watch the show a lot of. Uh, a lot of challenges to get the content out so it's it's viewable because a lot of that is is uh okay for for network tv but you have to be able to get that content out for games and to be viewable uh acceptable on the platforms and that's a huge challenge uh, we ended up working with uh, a team in boston that helped develop the game uh, we work with a local team truly social games in Vancouver that's also helping with sort of the live operations of the game and then we're working with uh, our new sort of business model which is uh, growth for the game so we're working on how to grow those games as well and what's most interesting about games and I've been in games now for I think it's almost 15 years now in games uh, what's most interesting about games and and listening to your prior podcasts is uh, you almost have many different businesses under your roof for games so you have the developers that make the game and then you have uh, now at Eastside Games we have this new technology that's very similar to uh, a SaaS product but we call it a gas product a game software as a surface cool. uh, and, and and then you have a growth team so you almost have like uh, sort of your own growth team that that deals with with how you grow the games, how you monetize the games, uh, how you get ads in the game, how you distribute that. We're actually a pretty big, uh, a pretty big part of our engine now is is the ads that not only monetize but also grow our games. So we're on both sides. We're both an ad publisher, um, but we're also we also monetize off those ads as well. Um, and those are all different skill sets. So mm -hmm. I think if you took the same people that I started with working in games with at Relic, and you just said, these are the best game developers in the world, they'd say, okay, we can do this one small part of your business. Now we have to find people from the marketing world. We have to find people from the finance, from the data analytics side. Uh, we have to find people that are writers. Uh, we have to find the biz dev people um, and operations people and everything in between. So what's most exciting about working on a project like this is you're really seeing sort of that next generation of game developers and publishers come together. When I talk to kids in school and university, I'm like, we're working in, those are three or four jobs that you think it is to be a game developer. It doesn't matter if you're, you know, a lot of people think you either have to be an artist, engineer, or a designer, uh, or a producer. And those are the four things that you make to do a game. And then I put a slide up and it has like, 
35 different jobs that are everything in between to make it all come together for the whole engine. Mm. So in a nutshell, Archer has been uh, amazing. It's super fun. We've tried some, it's our first game using a new version of our idle kit technology. Uh, and it's our first game that we actually play in landscape mode. We've always done portrait before, so this is landscape mode. And what's really cool about Archer is uh, if you're a fan of the show, um, we use and we work with the teams there to use the Archer assets in the game. So it was really cool to, to uh, and a dream for some of our artists to be able to work closely with, with uh, all the parties involved to actually see sort of behind the curtain a little bit it's all super secret and i can't tell you anything about it but <laughs> but for them they were completely nerding out to uh to play that i mean there's lots of super fans of archer in the world i'm sure lots of people have archer tattoos uh and and that's how you kind of know the sign for a super fan for a game <laughs> <laughs> I won't say I'm a super fan, but I'm definitely a fan. I'm trying to find, I've got a couple tattoos, none of them Archer, but I still have time, you know, little empty space here or there. Um, but, you know, these shows are really loved. Um, and, and, you know, kind of to touch on that, you know, I can't tell you about it, but I'm still going to ask you about um, how do you engage with the actors and characters? Like, is it necessary to engage with the natural IP? I mean, what do you call it? They're the, the characters or the... Um, I'm not even sure. I'm, I, I don't even know the lingo, but do you have to engage with the actual, like the voices or in the trailer park boys, for example, the actual boys? Like, do you get to engage with them in order to really get that feeling of the flavor of how to create that game? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. Um, every deal is different. And the one thing that, that we've done uh, a little bit differently is we actually never planned to ever do a licensed IP game. We used to say for years, we would never do a licensed IP game. Um, you know, our first big game and smash hit uh and i think still one of the biggest and best facebook games of all times was pot farm and we just did parodies of everything and we had a great time and we were approached so many times to make games and mm -hmm. we're just like nah we're good we don't need that um when tpb came along that kind of changed everything and i'd say each deal is different um because each deal has uh you know an agent representing them or Sometimes a network owns this, sometimes somebody owns this. And so what we've been really good at is um, being able to find people that like the fit that we have. I would say out of our almost 50 million installs at Eastside Games, we have a pretty counterculture vibe. So, so we've been able to kind of maintain that with most of our titles. So I think most of the time, all of our IPs that we've done games with are willing to work with us. And be a little bit more flexible but uh you know until recently we didn't really have in out in-house lawyer to deal with all that stuff uh so in the early days a lot of it was pretty um flexible and and just go so if people are thinking about doing uh licensed ip as games mm -hmm. uh, i'd say you know the first thing is just do your research and talk about it and just have really clear expectations about what you want uh, and what the game is actually going to be, uh, when it's going to be out, and just kind of go from there. I'd say the biggest challenge of doing that is it's just another vertical for their business. Mm -hmm. So they don't really understand the concept of games. Mm -hmm. And so you almost have to educate them on what that looks like. Their main revenue source might be doing shows or might be selling merch or might be uh, selling it 
in individual episodes online. So they're not used to sort of the business of games. So that's always a hairy point. I'm going to ask you, because you're saying there's lots of different jobs uh, in the industry. Whose job is it to make sure that the soul of the game is captured correctly? So like, the, you know, the Trailer Park Boys has bubbles and all of these characters, for example, and it feels like you really are engaged with each and every one of them. Is, is that a, a specific job? It's the most important job and it's probably the reason why most of our games often get shut off is just because it doesn't feel like it really captures that fan essence. Um, and so we really rely heavily on the producer to make sure that happens. But we really need to make sure that, mm -hmm. you know, the designer of the game uh, understands that. And then that vision of the game really gets everyone on the team that hires um, gets that vision of the game. So one of the things that we've changed recently is like our teams are almost like little startups with any side games um, because sometimes mm -hmm. the cultures of the team or the tools they use might be slightly different than other uh, teams. And before, at the very start, when we started, I was really obsessed about making them all uniform. Uh, and now I've kind of stepped back on that. Mm -hmm. You know, that's that's for somebody else to decide. I can't be that far into the minutia. But uh, it's really important that they're able to do things in the way that tell the story correctly. And then another big thing that we do that I don't think anyone else does or focuses on this is... I feel like we're the world leader in narrative idle games. So narrative is a big deal to us. We have writers that that write those stories and our whole purpose that what we wanted to do is you don't have a lot of time. You want to rewatch all of the Trailer Park Boys uh, episodes, but you're never going to get around to it. So what if we just give you the joke from each of those episodes or the, <laughs> the one thing that's going to be repeatable and we can give you a full episode in mm. 30 minutes or 15 minutes, or we can give you uh, a little snippet there that will remind you about that episode. And so that's what we're able to do with TPB. And now with Trailer Park Boys, we actually have more episodes than they've ever made. <laughs> uh, and soon we'll have double the episodes that they've ever made on Trailer Park Boys. So I, we have full-time writers. We're constantly hiring more writers and we're seeing that fans are liking that content through their feedback to us, that they're, they're loving the events uh, and they're, they're participating in the events. The other cool thing about games now that's totally different is, is, you know, games as a service. One of the big things that happens is you launch the game and then every week we have two or three events that people play on in the week to win prizes, compete against their friends, that's new content, uh, and games are now evergreen. So now we're looking at our games business as you launch a game and you work on that game for, for three to seven years. Whereas before, as you launch a game, you'd see how it goes, it'd be up for a couple of years, you'd retire the game, you'd launch a new game. But now people want to continue playing on that game and building on it and sort of getting deep into all of that sort of meta game for years and years and years. So that's that's really interesting. I mean, it, it makes sense. My brother, my brother was playing uh, what was the original Dragon Veil game, which is a, a a cutesy dragon game, and he 
played it for like 10 years, like every day, because they would add something a little bit different. And, you know, I, I love the idea that you grow with the game. And, and you also hear, I mean, I would play the game until I saw Steve French, you know, I, I don't know if you remember Steve French, the, uh, what was he, the coyote, or not coyote, pardon me, uh, the mountain lion, that, uh, the cougar, the, yeah, yeah, the bubbles, I uh, thought, yeah, he's got a French mustache, I'm going to call him Steve French. Anyhow, don't know why I thought of that. Um, well, you know, you've, you've covered some really good games, and I'm sure there's ones that you're, you're, you're that are in the works right now that you can't talk about but tell me this if there was a dream show or a dream experience or something like that that you could capture in a game what do you think it would be littlest hobo for sure <laughs> did you do you remember back in the day well, back in the day a couple years ago on the radio when they had this contest what was called hobo or phobo and they would actually give like four um it was three real hobo plot lines and one that was fake and it was like you know, littlest hobo goes to a disco and, and you know, and saves the girl's money by dead. And it's like, that's the real one. Okay. That is amazing. I, I, littlest hobo, I would love that. But do you think, do you think people that are your age and my age that would play that game? Oh yeah, for sure. Here, I'll show you something. <laughs> I love it. No, prop didn't work. I, uh, someone gave me a littlest hobo shirt right before I went on vacation. It was probably the nicest thing anyone's ever given me. They had to made it special. <laughs> Custom made shirts. That's the one thing uh, that's been the biggest hit in really? uh, the pandemic is, uh, you know, I heard someone say the other day, did you know you have to pay for shirts and socks? <laughs> Being uh, in biz dev, I haven't paid for them in years because they just used to. Uh, and water bottles, you have to pay for water bottles because of all the, the swag. I, I, I am guilty of looking through my closet recently and finding out that two-thirds of my shirts are hackathon shirts. So I, I definitely appreciate that. <laughs> I definitely appreciate that. Um, tell me about winning the 2020 Business of Good Awards for Indigenous Prosperity, because I, I, I think this is super Yeah, cool. we, uh, we applied last minute um, for that. Um, I'm Métis. I uh, grew up in a little town of about mm -hmm. uh, 100, well, I always say 100, but when I went back, uh, it looks like 100 counting everyone's dogs and cats. Um, so maybe it looked bigger as a kid. I don't know. <laughs> but about 100 people, about you know 25 miles outside of Prince George or so. And uh, uh, so uh, we saw they were doing this for the first year. And so there, there's a bunch of categories to it. And one of the things that we really wanted to do, you know, it's kind of like uh, a fine line because um, one of our missions that we want to do is we want to increase uh, Indigenous people in tech. And so the way that we can do that is, wouldn't it be great if we could show more people that you can do you can do this job or you can work in this industry or uh, that it's open for you. And one of the the ways to do that is, first of all, when we had offices, is make your office, the things that we talk about, be normal uh, and not be those conversations that you don't want to have. So one of the things we got uh, a big mural put up in our office, beautiful mural. I'll send you some pictures of it. It looks great by uh, JP Langlois. Uh, really famous Métis artist mm -hmm. in town that you've seen his his very colorful murals all over. We put this up. It's a whole wall size to talk about it and to talk about, about these things just to make sure that they're normal. Uh, and then we applied for the award and we were doing lots of stuff with mm -hmm. Imaginative this year. 
uh, and uh, blown away that we won. I didn't think we'd win. I always treat nominations like this as the nomination itself is the win, then you should do something with the nomination. And if you win, mm -hmm. uh, that you should go for that. And they actually ended up making the cover of the magazine. I have one around here someplace. I don't know where it is. And you looked badass on that cover too. I got to say, the second I saw that, I had to send you a message about... That's you, you, you know, you could look, you could look like a, a business weenie or you can look like a badass guy and you look badass in that one. I got to say it's, it's amazing. We had a really good photographer that was, uh, was able to do that. So I think that's important because, um, I'm just holding that space for somebody to come along and say, Hey, I can do that. I mean, I always talk about that. One of the challenges and why I believe BC tech has to be available for, for everyone is one of the challenges growing up for me is. Uh, university wasn't an option. It was, uh, it was, it was, I could go to the local college and try out some courses and still work part time, but it just wasn't possible uh, to go to university. And, uh, you know, to tell the story a little bit more that you can be from a, a small northern BC town um, and determination and grit and, and just powering through with work can get you through where you need to be. Uh, and uh, it, you, it doesn't have to just be the degree. I mean, looking at it differently, uh, definitely having a degree would have helped me, and I still want to go back one day and get that, but but uh, that those options are available for you, and, and you could push forward. And then on top of all that, like I have a speech impediment as well, so uh, it's very difficult. Uh, you know, as a kid, it was, it was always ingrained to you to say, like, you're going to be very limited and and what you can do. So maybe being a CEO isn't a good thing that you should do or business development isn't a big thing that you can do, but you just have to kind of uh, work with the tools that you got and just continue to push forward. So I guess the moral of the story is just get shit done and don't listen to the haters. Haters just want to, uh, haters just want to hold you back. Um, because they don't want to do the stuff that you're going to do. do. Do you know what I always say? Is I always say critics are people who failed in the industry. Totally. And I, I've been saying that for a long time because they're happy to talk about other people's works, but they couldn't do it themselves. I'm actually really interested in the Métis. Um, you know, the, the, you're from Métis descent. I think I told you I was in, uh, I actually drove to Winnipeg last week or two weeks ago. Um, and I'm actually wearing, I don't know if you see it, but I got my Louis Riel, you know, my Keep It Riel. Oh yeah, that's a good one. That's a classic one. I actually only wore it today for you because I actually wanted to, uh, to, 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 to feel the, the, Métis, the Métis way, if, if you will. Um, and then I got to, you know, speak to you a little bit before uh, you went on your trip up north to, to ask about, you know, Willow River. I mean, what's it like living in, in Willow River for going to school and elementary and all that. Can you, can you touch on that for me, please? It's like, uh, it's like the dream, man. I think a lot of city people, uh, you know, that's where they would go and, and pay thousands of dollars for a vacation to, uh, to stay where I grew up. It was, it was amazing. It was basically like I grew up in the Stranger Things. Everyone's talking about like uh, in sort of that Stranger things lifestyle i grew up in that where we had bikes and we rode them around and we just had to be home before our parents came home from work and make sure we didn't mess up the house and make sure we didn't eat all the the wrong food and then you're you're good to go but um there's like a like like a, there's a river we went and swam there with my kids uh, and took all my cousins there and swam down i forgot 
you know, even as a man, how, <laughs> how strong that current is. And I jumped in and it was like getting drugged down the river right away. And I'm like, wow, we, we, uh, we used to do this jump off the bridge and everyone there has four wheelers now or drives their trucks right down to the river. Um, my mom lives right on the edge of the, the forest. And before you go out, she says, watch out, there could be a bear in the yard. So if there's a bear, the dog will bark, come in. So uh, it's <laughs> truly growing up in the bush. And I would say that's one of my advantages I had. I grew up as a country kid. And so I don't get easily rattled or I also don't get, uh, when a lot of work gets thrown on my lap, I, I don't panic about it because that's just kind of what it's like up there. I'd say the weirdest thing is, I don't think people realize how cut off people in the north or even just a little bit north of Vancouver are from Vancouver, Victoria and all that stuff because everything around here is just centered around Vancouver and a little bit around Victoria, but it's all Vancouver, Vancouver, Vancouver. And then you go up there and it's like a completely different culture. If people haven't been to Northern BC uh, since we're all only allowed to travel in your province, take a road trip up there. It's beautiful. You drive through all of these uh, different temperate zones right away. You see animals on the side of the road. Um, people are just more friendly. Uh, it's uh, sort of a small time vibe in a big city and lots of cool stuff up there. So uh, I'm really glad that I got to grow up there. And then <laughs> I think the, the, the flip of that is I can't live in a big enough city like I don't think there's a city in the world that's big enough for me we vacation we go to New York uh, when we could or uh, you know I love I love going to really big cities and exploring them and I don't get mm -hmm. phased I try to I live you know uh, on Fraser and it's pretty busy and it doesn't phase me and I like walking everywhere mm -hmm. uh, versus driving. One thing that I really, really enjoy is you're very active on social media, okay, on on Instagram and on um, Twitter and all this. And you are one of the biggest family men I have ever seen on, on Instagram. I, I got to give you full props. I see you with your hair tied or with, you know, you got a little bit of makeup on because your daughter did it. And you look like you're having a lot of fun. I'd say one positive thing that's come out of this COVID is that it's made families, or at least in my experience, a lot stronger. Have, have you been finding something similar yeah, in that case? Yeah, I mean, uh, my wife posted that about me to say, like, this is normally my, we're still, we still run relatively lean at ESET Games. And so a lot of the biz dev I do myself still. Mm -hmm. um, so this is what we call in our household conference season. Mm -hmm. And I'm usually home do some laundry, hang out for the weekend, and then off again. Um, you know, before the pandemic started, I was in London uh, speaking at Pocket Gamer and doing some meetings, came back. We had a last minute impromptu uh, thing to, uh, where'd we go? Cancun. We went to Isla Mazeres and hung out for a little bit, stayed in the shell house. We came back and then the world shut down. And since then, I haven't gone on one plane trip. And the one big thing has been, you know, I get to enjoy this sort of uh, my daughter's age nine. So I get to enjoy sort of this. And, you know, the time goes by so fast that we're able to hang out. We have lunch together in the room. Uh, you know, after this, I'm going to have a midday break and walk over to my friend's store, uh, Jackson's General Store. And that's where they do all of our swag and grab some coffee and chit chat with him and then walk back and do some more meetings. 
and it's been really, really great. Um, I think this is one of the things that's going to not go back. I think we're going to see there's going to be a portion of even when the world reopens, there's going to be a portion to say some people to say, this is not a compromise for me. I have to be able to work from home uh, to get all these things. And so uh, I think that's great. And, you know, it goes back to a lot of the things that when I went back to visit uh, for a little bit in Willow River, what that was great that I forgot about was most of my friends will say, hey, I'm not home. Uh, just go in and I'll meet you there or the door's unlocked or there's a key in a place unlock and go in and don't worry about that. They never, they also always say, don't worry about the dog. He's friendly. And they have like three big pit bulls in the yard <laughs> that you're like, Oh, and you gotta kind of go through them the first time. But it's really cool because there's like that sense of community, I think has in a little way more so than it's ever been in the 25 years I've been in East Vancouver returned a bit. There's a little bit more, humanity in the cities there's a little bit more patience you know i think you only ever read about the negativity but i i believe everyone's gotten a little bit better because of this they've they've had to they've had to sort of look internal and do that and you know i think that's goes back to the last question as well it's just been i think it's i think it's given me some more time to to research and find out uh, more about myself and more about um, what's happened um, being Métis and kind of sort of looking into that uh, and and that's been great so so um, you know the global pandemic you know fucking sucks and there's no there's no two ways about that but also you know it's a realization this last trip that I just came back from uh, Prince George Willow River is just a realization on it's just something new. So you just have to move forward and figure it out. And maybe we all become a little bit better. I know, I, I think I've become a little bit better about this and um, maybe everyone could take that little bit, of, that little piece and, and move forward for whatever challenge comes up to us next. Cause this isn't the end. There's gonna be more challenges that are gonna present itself and we have to figure out a way how to, how to push through that. And, and, and move forward. Well, I, I'm really glad you touched on the positive because I agree. I think what happened all of a sudden is we started looking after each other a lot more because it mattered. And, you, you know, the, the thing that I think is the funniest thing that's come out of COVID is, you know, I did my undergrad in, in Russian history and they always talked about the Soviet Union was brought down by bread lines. Look outside. We've all got bread lines and no one's even talked about it. You know, everyone's just patiently waiting outside for everyone else. And you strike up a conversation. You, you, you share this and that. You take care of the neighbors. I mean, this is, a, this is I think, a good time to be, be Canadian and be local. You know, it's, 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 it's a bit of a blessing in a way. And I agree. I hope we don't go back. I hope we stay this way. I hope, like Main Street, for example, I live between Maine and Canby. I hope Main Street keeps all those outdoor restaurants because I don't care about parking. I think having that as, as an option is amazing. I want to touch on one last thing because every single time I go to a Canucks game, I swear you're there. But you usually have the Oilers jersey or the, one of these things on. You are an Oilers fan. I mean, I understand Prince George, be close. But why do you like to torture yourself this much? Yeah, that's the, that's the newest thing I got. Oh, nice. What's the... the, the oh, the, the, I saw that on social media. So you got... That's Bear, Yeah, right? so that's Bear and Cree Solvex. And uh, and my friend made it with bare face whiskey at the end. That's awesome. I'm a Canuck season ticket holder, 
uh, we have been for a long time. Uh, the other founders wanted to cancel our uh, tickets in, uh, you know, there's a lot of bandwagon Canucks fans now, but, uh, you know, three or four years ago, it was pretty dire. Everyone was canceling as much as possible. And so, you know, when the Canucks aren't playing the Oilers or the or Vegas, I, I go and, and uh, I will watch the Canucks game. Um, you know, I'm from BC, but in in Prince George, you'd either get your vacation in Vancouver or Edmonton. My dad lived in Edmonton, so I got to see, uh, you know, uh, the Gretzky, Messier, uh, all those years. And uh, I was, I fell in love with the Oilers and I've been an Oilers fan ever since. And it's been uh, absolutely uh a big commitment, a big determination. <laughs> if you're if you're looking to become a hockey fan for the first time, do not pick the Oilers. Uh, go with like Vegas or something like that, and um, <laughs> and go from there. I mean, I wouldn't. I bet yeah, you a lot of my advice. my friends that are from Vancouver would also be like, "Don't be a Vancouver Canucks fan," because I know Canucks fans are wallowing in self pity as much as uh, as the Oilers fans. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm from I'm from East Van. I mm-hmm. I love uh, I love everything to do about hockey. Uh, and um, yeah, it's uh, but you know, you mm-hmm. once you pick your team, you gotta stick with it. So, I hear you. I hear so you. I'll be buried in my that's already in my will. I'm buried in my Oilers jersey. Uh, that's what's <laughs> happening. <laughs> well, I hope they win the cup many times uh, bet- between then. May may that be two hundred years from now. At the start of every season, you're like, this is the year. This is the year. <laughs> yeah, well, as a Canucks fan, I've felt that uh, that pain too. Josh, thanks so much for taking part today. I, I, I really enjoy chatting. And this is something that I've been looking forward to for, for, for a long time, to, 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 to hear more about your story. So so thank you. And, and good luck with all the, the new titles and uh, the fame you bring to Vancouver um, with each title that gets launched. Yeah, thanks. We're hoping to, uh, to grow even more. We have some really exciting announcements coming up. And so I'm excited to share those out on social media when it does come out and uh, and keep growing our team. Now that we're all distributed, we're we're going to, you know, continue to keep hiring. Games is growing like crazy here. And uh, uh, I'm I'm very optimistic about BC Games and BC Tech. And I think we're in a good place here uh, and hope we all continue to grow and and take care of each other. case, please make sure to rate and review Afternoon Tea Podcast on Apple Podcasts and also subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever the heck you find your podcast from. Afternoon Tea is a brand new podcast. We do have some great guests lined up for our future episodes, but we'd love to hear your thoughts as well. So please do let us know who you'd like to hear from on the show. You can do so by emailing me at podcast at ttt.studio. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T at T-T-T, that's three T's, dot studio. Notice there's no dot com because we're that sophisticated. 
Furthermore, you can find us on social media at TTT underscore studios. Have an amazing day.